VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Blog Talk Radio. Good late afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Jacob, co-host. TJ Inman will be along with us shortly, along with special guest, MattyVerdeep.com. Uh, first things first, we have some sad news to report. A day after suffering fall and having to go uh, under emergency brain surgery. Former uh, legendary uh, coach Bill Mallory uh, for Indiana football has passed away. It was announced on Twitter by his son, Kurt. Um, the outpouring of support for Coach Mal and the IU program back in the 80s, 90s has been tremendous. If you are on Twitter or are on social media, take a look at some of the, the videos that have been uh, posted about him um, from IU. There, there's a speech in the Michigan State locker room that just sums him up as a person after, after a defeat that, if they had won the game, IU would have gone to the Rose Bowl um, with that dignity and class, go into the Michigan State locker room and, and tell them to give them hell out in California uh, was tremendous. So right now we welcome in TJ Inman. TJ, uh, welcome to the show. How are you? And, and what's your, your fondest memory of Coach Mallory? All right, looks like we do not have TJ here uh, just yet. Uh, Matt, are you there? Yes, I am. All right, Matt, uh, we're bringing in Matt Weaver from Peaks.com. Matt has been around Indiana football uh, for a long time. Um, sad news today with the the passing of Coach Mallory. What memories do you hold, uh, you know, hold on to from him? Um, well, I mean, when I was when I was really young, um, you know, I, I obviously uh, followed Indiana football and went to a lot of games. And you know, for me, it'll be the games that I went to. Um, you know, I was at the '87 Peach Bowl um, when they got beat by Tennessee. It was a great game. Um, I was at the Independence Bowl, which was not as good of a game when they got beat by Virginia Tech, but still a lot of fun. Um, when I lived in Michigan as a kid, saw them play Michigan State and. Um, and one of the big pictures of him is being carried off the field by his team, and it was a game they won 17-14 at Michigan State, and I was actually at that game. Um, so just, you know, memories like that. But one of my best memories would probably be when Bill Lynch was the coach, and I was at practice, uh, I think it was during fall camp, and positioned myself, um, you know, near Coach Mallory, who was there, so hopefully I could talk to him. And I actually got to talk to him for about 15 or 20 minutes, and it was just really, really awesome because – as a kid, he was one of my heroes. I mean, he did things in Indiana, with Indiana football that had never been done, and still have you know haven't been done since he left. Um, I mean, six bowl games in eight years for a lot of programs is no big deal. For Indiana, that was unbelievable, um, and it still is. So, you know that that just talking ball with him that day, watching practice, um, just some guy that you know it was no you know was nobody to him, but he treated me like you know we had been friends for years. Was just uh, really a highlight for me. Right, and a lot of good stories. And if uh, if you do have stories, we'd love to hear them. If you want to email us or um, tweet us, 
go ahead and do that. Put it in the comments section uh, in our forums as well. Uh, Kurt Mallory, uh, Bill's son, also said the family has set up an email address so that um, people can send in their uh, their memories as well. We put the the email address in in uh, the story we put out. It is BillMalloryMemories at gmail.com. We have a tribute. Um, any stories, quotes, stuff like that, I know they would uh, appreciate it as well. And now we do have TJ Inman in. TJ, just, you know, what what were your memories of uh, of Coach Mal in this program? Yeah, I mean, I uh, his, his prime as a coach was, you know, certainly before I was uh, you know, reasonably following IU football. I'm, I'm 30 and uh, you know, was born in 87, so, you know, my memories of it tend to be uh, more, you know, interviews with, with Coach Mallory, you know, as he comes back to Indiana, which he's continued to be involved in the uh, in the program and in the community of Bloomington. Um, certainly he's, you know, kind of seen as, to me, he's he's always kind of been seen as the, the grandfather of IU football, um, uh, a guy that I, I – as I said, I didn't really have a lot of uh, experience or memories watching his teams. Uh, it was more him coming back and being interviewed on the sidelines or, or just seeing him at the games uh, and, and knowing what his teams accomplished and, and then seeing the highlights of all the, the really, for Indiana, great teams that he coached. Uh, and a couple of them, you know, can be considered legitimately uh, great teams just on a, on a Big Ten level, uh, which, as Matt said, going to six out of eight bowl games, uh, that, that's not something IU football teams do. You know, we're we're just thrilled to, to go to one uh, within a, a player's, you know, four-year career. Uh, I think he kind of – I think ever since Bill Mallory uh, has been the head coach, um, Indiana has been – kind of searching for a return to something that resembles that level. Uh, and so far it hasn't happened. We certainly hope uh, Coach Allen, who I think has some similarities to Coach Mallory uh, in terms of how they approach the game uh, on, a, on a coaching level, I, I think that um, we hope that he can get us to that uh, that point. But Bill Mallory did things uh, in Bloomington that it's going to be hard for anyone to replicate uh, and so my my memories of him are are not really from a football standpoint, more from just a, a respect for what he was able to accomplish. I, I think uh, had he been given an opportunity uh, at a program with more resources, uh, who knows what he would have been able to accomplish in his coaching career. But I, I don't think he would trade it because of how much he loved Indiana. Yeah, and that growing up in New York, I really didn't start following. IU football in, until 2002, so I, I I missed those years, and I miss watching uh, Coach Mallory uh, at least later on in his uh, IU career. But he was always around the program. Uh, the last few years that I that I, when I've been around the program, I never got a chance to talk with him, but he, he was all around. You know, he was he was the ambassador. It seemed. Uh, all these other coaches who came in, I, I think it had, and, and Matt, if I'm wrong, that he had, you know, a welcoming um, sense about it, even though, you know, there was a lot of controversy about 
him being let go and he could have held that bitterness inside and, and have done what uh, other coaches have done and, and just spurned that school and, and said, you know what, you, you didn't give me enough to do. I did great things here and, and, you know, forget you. But that speaks to what kind of man Bill Mallory was. He he came back. He, he loved this school and, um, you know, and, and – this is a loss that's gonna that IU fans are gonna feel, and, and hopefully this season they they could dedicate the season to him and do something um, on the field, you know, win some games, get back to a bowl game, and, and do it for Coach Mallory. And maybe you know on on the other side you, you see a, a throwback uniform. I saw some people wanting those throwback uniforms to, to Coach Mal's teams in the mid-90s with the black face masks and the block eye and things like that. So hopefully IU has something cool up this sleeve to honor this. He's a legend. I mean, to me, he's more of a legend than, than you guys who actually saw him um, coach and, and things like that. So, I, you know, it's, to me, it's more of a, a, you know, a legendary mythical figure. Um about that but Matt let's let's move on from from this sad story we'll touch upon it all all season and and reflect on coach Mallory uh, the the big news out of this this week was the announcement that Hunter Johnson was, was transferring uh from Clemson and has it looked like three schools with Indiana Purdue and Northwestern what can you tell us the latest about that situation yeah, I mean it's you know as as I put out earlier this week, I mean Indiana's right there in the thick of it. Uh, you know I got more confirmation of that today. Um, you know they they they're they're in the mix. You know where they are and what, if there's an order, I don't know if, if that's if they're if that's been determined yet. Um, I I think there's probably um, maybe there might be another school or two um, on the list. I'm still trying to nail down who that might be, but uh, I, I I feel very confident that Indiana, Purdue, Northwestern are three of the schools that he's strongly looking at. Um, you know, as far as, you know, other questions I've been asked on the board is the time frame. You know, I'm not really sure. I think ideally you probably, you probably like to get this done as soon as possible so you can get into summer workouts with your new team. But the one thing with that is he's not going to play this year, obviously, because he's going to sit out as a transfer. So time is not as much of an urgency as it might be if you were like a grad transfer or somebody who's going to play right away. You can take a little bit more of your time. I mean, it's, you know, I'm sure, like I said, you probably want to be with your team, but you don't want to do it, make a hasty decision and make maybe the wrong decision just to try to get in for summer workout. So, you know, he could take the summer if he wanted to and show up before fall camp. Um, I don't think it'll go that long, but he doesn't have to make a decision this week because, like I said, he can't play right away. There's, it's not like it's going to impact his ability to get on the field because he can't by NCAA rules. So um, it's definitely something that's, you know, that, that, you know Indiana would, obviously would love to add him. He's, you know, this is this is a guy who could be in the NFL in a few years. I mean, he's got that kind of ability. Um, you know, he's a very talented guy, number one or number two quarterback in the country when he came out, five-star player. So, you know, this is the kind of guy that, I mean, you had this in the quarterback room in 2019. You could have him, Michael Penix, um, Peyton Ramsey, and then maybe somebody else that you get as a freshman in that class. Um, you know, and that's, that's a heck of a quarterback room. I mean, that's talent like Indiana's ever had. It's the most important position on the field, so – you know, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I can see the draw to some of the other schools, obviously with Jeff Brom at Purdue. Um, you know, their offense is, you know, attractive for a quarterback. His brother played at Northwestern. 
Um, so they know that program well and, and, and Coach Fitzgerald. So, um, you know, obviously some tough competition, but with uh, Mike DeBoard and Nick Sheridan both being from Tennessee when he committed there, um, the family knows Dave Ballou, the strength coach, um, from their days at Avon. So there's a lot of connections for Indiana, and I think they've got a good shot to get them. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah, yeah and Matt, this... one, one, thing, one thing I wanted to ask about uh, and kind of mention, I guess, is, uh, and I don't know if you have any insight in this, but uh, I think at least on, on paper it seems like the main reason uh, that he's going to be transferring from Clemson or is transferring from Clemson would be uh, their addition of Trevor Lawrence, who is considered by many to be you know, one of the best quarterback prospects that there's been uh, in the last – 10 or 15 years. Um, so I, was it strictly just a, did you get a sense that it was just, he, he didn't feel like, uh, you know, after Kelly Bryant and then um, now Trevor Lawrence, do you get a sense that he felt like it was just somewhere he'd probably not see the field uh, as, as the main reason that he was seeking away uh, or seeking a different school? Uh, or do you think there was more to it than that? No, I think this is an opportunity to try to get on the field. Uh, you know, listen, um, Hunter had a very good spring. I mean, arguably as good as, as Kelly Bryant, anybody at Clemson. You know, but I've said it before, and I understand why guys from here want to go to some of those schools in the South. I mean, I, I get it, Clemson or Florida or Alabama or wherever it may be. But the thing is, if you're close with the kid who's from, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is from Cardinal, Georgia. That's like Georgia's version of, like, you know, Carmel or Warren Central, but bigger. If it's close, they're going to play him because they don't care if they piss off the Brownsburg head coach. They do care if they piss off the head coach at Cartersville High School in Georgia because that school is a factory. And, you know, if it's close, I'm not saying it's, you know, I'm not trying to call it the Clemson staff, but that's just how it's going to be for all those programs in the South. I mean, that's just what you're going to do. If you're smart, you do it. Now, if Hunter Johnson is clearly better, you're going to play him. But, I mean, you know, Tony Lawrence is really good. Kelly Bryant's really good. I've heard Dabo Sweeney will err on the side of playing veterans or returning players. Yeah. Even if maybe they don't play as well as the guy who, like uh, Hunter Johnson or Trevor Lawrence. I think it's just a case where, you know, this kid understands he's got a chance at the next level. It's not guaranteed. But if he sits for a couple more years, there's just no telling what could happen. You know, he may, you know, he may, he may be, you know, it's, not, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, the kid from Ohio State that went to LSU. He's really good. He's good enough to play at Ohio State. Burrow, Joe Burrow. Um, but it's you know, it's you, if you're not if you're not gonna get the full chance to shine, and I don't blame guys. I mean, your your college career is very limited. It's a small window. Um, and if it was my kid, I you know my son, I would say, hey, you know, it's I think sometimes fans think whether it's afraid of competition. I mean, if you're jumping from school to school, I can see that. But you know, this is you know in both cases and in other cases. These are guys that are good enough to play. They want. They just want to get a chance to get on the field and have the chance to play professionally if that's in the, in, in the cards for them. So I think it was really just about having that opportunity to go somewhere, be the guy for a couple of years, and then see if you know that leads to your realizing your dream of playing NFL football. Yeah, and and this has a if it is between all those schools. Um, between Purdue, Indiana, and Northwestern, this has the potential to to swing the the, the balance uh, the balance of power in um, 
in the Big Ten, especially in the Big Ten West, if that's where it goes, what is the impact of of this transfer to happen? Well, I mean, it's, you know, obviously you have three schools that are that are competing a lot on the recruiting trail. Uh, I think where the biggest thing this could be is, you know, maybe this sways. Um, I don't think David Bell's not really looking at Northwestern, but you know, maybe this sways him between India and Purdue. I mean, those are two of his final schools. Bryce Kurtz, who is a Brownsburg guy, and he was—he's a couple years younger than Hunter, so it's not like they have a real strong, you know, like relationship. I mean, they're friends, but it's, you know, they're two classes apart, so it's not like they, they hung out a lot. They were teammates and, and all that, but it, it still could sway guys like that. I mean, guys want to play with players like this. Um, you know, and, and some of these local guys, they obviously remember. I mean, Hunter Johnson was just in high school football just a couple of years ago. Um, 2016 was his senior year. So, you know, they remember that. They know how good he is. Um, so in, some of that, in that case, I think that could help. I mean, it'll, it'll draw it could draw offensive talent to, those, to, the, to whatever program he goes to um, and, you know, give them a boost as far as that goes. And then if he is what everyone, you know, what he should, what he's, out on the field, you know, like you did at Clemson uh, last fall and in the spring, um, it's obviously going to boost your team because this is, you know, arguably the second he steps on to, so he goes to one of those big tech programs, he's arguably one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the conference. I mean, he's that, you know, this is a, this is a, now he's got to go out and prove it and play that way, but on paper, he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the conference wherever he ends up. All right, thanks, Matt, for joining us. Uh, we'll let you get back to, to golfing or whatever it is uh, that you do on a 90-degree day in Indiana. Um, anyway, enjoy uh, enjoy the holiday weekend. Okay, thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you, Matt. All right, good stuff from Matt Weaver from Peaks, as usual. And we'll get back into some Hunter Johnson stuff, uh, you know, later in the week. Uh, as it develops, but right now, TJ, we are less than 100 days uh, from kickoff of the 2018 season. Uh, Our countdown to kickoff is underway. We had um, number 19 with Alan Stallings and Nathaniel Schneider today, Uh, but on day 100, I gave 10 10 things that I wanted or I was looking forward to watching this year uh, with the Anna football, TJ. We'll go through, we'll give a, a, a cup each uh, before we wrap up. But the first thing I, I'm looking forward to, can IU bounce back after a disappointing 2017 season? Uh, you know, there was so much hype coming into last year with Ohio State as the season opener. Uh, you had the, the breakthrough mantra. You had a lot of talent coming back on defense. You, you had a lot of talent on offense that ultimately got hurt or you're missing it for all or part of the season. Uh, but can this team bounce back now? They're going to fly a little bit of the radar. Expectations uh, have been a little bit hush, at least from a national standpoint, uh, with all these preview magazines. Uh, and then, you know, on a local level as well, you're losing T. Gray Scales, Chris Covington. You lose Chase Dutra, Tony Fields, uh, a lot of pieces. So can they – can they bounce back is, is the number one thing uh, that I'm looking forward to this year. How about you, TJ? Well, I, mean, I think that that's, that's definitely a, um, an important one. I mean, it's an interesting one and certainly an important one. 
I, I wouldn't say IU can't afford it, but uh, it certainly would be a, a blow to the program to uh, have Tom Allen's first two seasons be non-bowl seasons. Uh, that that would really hurt um, and take away any momentum uh, that that had been gained over the past couple of seasons. Uh, I I don't. I, I, we're not ready to make predictions on anything, but uh, I I think one thing that I'm really looking forward to, to watching uh, is the running game. Uh, I think that Indiana is in line to have a much more dynamic and uh, exciting, um, fun-to-watch running attack, and also a much more effective running attack than what they had last season. Uh, that's for a number of factors. I think the offensive line is going to be improved. Um, they have a chance to be much improved. And if it can turn from an okay offensive line into a really strong one, uh, which I think it has the potential to do, given the depth and the returning pieces and the addition of Lender uh, and the growth of some of the the young guys that have had quite a bit of playing experience, this could be a a very strong offensive line. Uh, So that plus the addition of Brandon Dawkins, which I think – you know, fits what Mike DeBoard wants to do and what he was able to do uh, in his best years as an offensive coordinator. Uh, and then I think the running back group, we've heard a lot of positive things about them. Uh, you know, Craig Nelson getting onto the field, Ronnie Walker getting onto the field, and then bringing back Ellison and Cole Guest. I think that there's a lot of pieces there uh, that will make this a very fun and exciting running attack. And if the offensive staff is willing to get creative with the weapons Indiana has, uh, you know, guys beyond just the running backs, but guys like the Walt Fillier. I think that this can be a, a very um, very exciting year to watch Indiana run the ball. And, I mean, honestly, that's the type of team that I want to have uh, as the one that I root for, a, a physical team capable of having big plays, running the ball, uh, not necessarily grinding opponents down, but just really demoralizing them with the ground game and then using that to open up the pass and hit them with some big pass plays. Um, so I think Indiana has the potential to have that happen. They just have to go out and do it on the field with the weapons at their disposal. Yeah, and they bring in, you know, like you said, Linder, and these guys have played together, so you'd think that there will be something in performance as well. So that's that's another thing to watch, you know, to go along with that, my, my third thing um, on, on my list was IU has a really good chance to get out of the game quickly. Uh, conservatively, yep. them going four and two, and if you want to take a risk, five and one. They open up at, at Florida International. They get Virginia at home, which they lose a lot of talent um, off of that team. Uh, and they get Ball State at home to wrap up the non-conference. You figure that they should be able to go 3-0 and there. Then they have Michigan State at home before they travel to Rutgers uh, yeah. and Ohio State. Uh, so, you know, if you could get off to a 4-2 and or maybe even a 5-1 and start, um, and, and the opportunity is there to at least get – uh, you know, three to four wins, uh, and if you could get if you could get five, you're you're now you're cooking and you're setting yourself up for for a really nice season. Four wins, 
you're doing what you're supposed to against Rutgers and, and those non-conference games, and you're setting yourself up for a bowl game. Anything worse than four and two uh, through that first six games, and you're looking at, you know, you may miss a bowl game. So, but they do have a chance to get out of the gate quick uh, before they get into a really rough, uh, really rough October where they they play. Uh, they play a lot of teams, and then then they have uh, Minnesota. Go have to go to Minnesota a short week, uh, and things like that. So it gets really really tricky um, there later in the year. What's your next one, TJ? But I'm going to turn to the other side of the ball. Uh, you know, we don't want to be the, the guys that just focus on on offense. So I'm going to I'm going to turn the other side of the ball. And kind of, I'm looking forward to seeing how this young defense, uh, just how they how they play. Uh, there's a lot of talent, but a lot of guys stepping into either increased roles or uh, new roles altogether. Um, we're not sure how it's going to go. I, I think there's a general level of optimism. Um, number one, because of the talent that is in place, uh, and number two, I think the more importantly is the belief in the defensive staff, mainly Tom Allen and Mark Hagan, uh, I think that they have earned earned our belief and the benefit of the doubt uh, that they'll be able to get this group to play pretty well. Uh, now, how well is up for debate. Um, if, if this defensive group can, you know, gel, uh, particularly at the linebacking corner, if they can gel and, and uh, at least start out solidly, um, and not to be uh, a sieve in those first couple of games, they can build some confidence and get themselves into the feel of, of what they're doing so that by Big Ten play, uh, maybe that inexperience is not such a huge factor uh, and they can have a really nice season. Because I, I do think that there's enough talent along the defensive line, uh, some hope for some new, uh, some new blood along the uh, pass rushing front, uh, as well as some guys that, uh, you know, are fresh or fresh that we can step up. There's talent at linebacker, but it certainly is the spot that you maybe feel um, unsure about. And then the secondary is really loaded with talent, to be honest. Uh, I think it's probably the best secondary that they've had at IU in my lifetime. Um, so I, I'm excited to watch this young defense uh, play and see what they can do. Yeah, and you know the secondary. I I said, you know, I thought was it might be the best on paper in in 30 years. You get Marcelino Ball back uh, and things like yeah. that. And then finally, my last thing to watch. If you want the complete list, uh, you know, head over to the site and, and check out 100 Days. Uh, but my thing is, can IU reclaim the old Oaken Bucket? This game, you know, I think this rivalry is back with Sizzle. Uh, Purdue, yeah. you know, fired their shot across the bow last year, and uh, you know it's it's IU's time to to respond. This game is at home. Uh, it's a game where you know IU needs that win for bowl game. You know, Purdue showed last year that their fans are going to show up, and and Purdue's going to be pretty strong again this year uh, with Sindelar and Blau back and that running game back, and you know we'll see what they have on defense. Uh, but, you know, Jeff Brom turned that program around in year one, and, and that fan base came out with with a vengeance, uh, uh, you know, uh, last year. So 
it's IU's turn to show, you know, show show Purdue fans what they're about as well. So, you know, if if a bowl game is on the line for IU during the game, that place better be sold out um, because that's challenged fans uh, threw down last year to IU when they when they took back the bucket. Plus, this is now I, I don't know how long Jeff Brom is going to be at Purdue. Uh, and, and I think that they're, they're a dark horse in the West. They get all the contenders in the West at home. Um, so, but they still have to knock off Wisconsin, but they get them at home. Uh, and who's your, your biggest rival? This rivalry is back. and it, it's the, I don't want to wish the season away because uh, I hate doing that, but it's probably the game I'm most excited about uh, that's on the schedule. I mean, I would agree with you that the rivalry is certainly uh, feels like it is uh, on the up. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know how long Jeff Brom's going to be there, but I, I don't think he's going to bolt, uh, you know, after this season, for instance. I think he's going to be in West Lafayette um, for at least a few years. I, I don't think it's going to be just, a, you know, a stopover for him. Uh, we'll see. I mean, we both could definitely be wrong. Who knows? Maybe a job opens up that he just can't refuse. We have no idea. But for now, uh, you know, he's in West Lafayette. That's a program that uh, is feeling pretty good about themselves, understandably so. Uh, I would say in terms of quality of team, uh, I think Indiana has more offensive weapons uh, and speed than the Boilermakers do. Um, defensively, I think both both teams are looking to – uh, are needing to replace quite a few valuable pieces. Uh, I like Indiana's secondary quite a bit better than I do Purdue's, uh, but I like Indiana's secondary a lot better than a lot of teams. Um, you know, Purdue probably feels a little bit better about themselves uh, than IU does at linebacker maybe, um, although I think Indiana's got um, maybe take that gap away if there is one. Uh, defensive line, I, I don't think either team is – you know, amazing at that position, but I don't think it's a weakness for either one either. Um, so I, I you know, Purdue certainly feels better about their passing at quarterback. I think Indiana uh, has a much more dynamic runner at quarterback, whether that's going to be Ramsey or uh, or Penix, or as we expect, Brandon Dawkins, the grad transfer from Arizona. Um, I think both teams are – the two teams are going to be constructed uh, and play uh, differently, but uh, I think in terms of quality, it is pretty close. Uh, and Purdue probably has higher expectations for this season simply because of the schedule that they that they have lined up for them. Um, that doesn't mean that uh, the results will follow that, but that's what it looks like heading into the season. Uh, none of those things are going to necessarily matter when they do lock horns uh, in Bloomington for that Old Oak and Bucket game. Uh, it's certainly one that's going to be uh, a ton of fun to watch, regardless of what's at stake. Uh, hopefully, for for our sanity uh, during that game and leading up to that game, I use them to locked up a bowl game, so we won't have to worry about the, the stress levels that game. Um, that uh, that situation might induce that rivalry healthy uh, with both programs competent. Um, they're not great both are competent right now. I think that that's the least you could say is that uh, both programs are competent right now. And that's, that's more than can be said a lot of times over the last 20 years uh, where it was, you know, Purdue was really good and IU was lost in the wilderness or 
when IU got its act together somewhat, Purdue was, you know, certainly uh, out to sea with Daryl Hazel. So uh, it's exciting to have both programs at least on a competing uh, level, and I think that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm really looking forward to uh, kind of my, my final one. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing, and it kind of goes in line with what you said earlier with how, how does Indiana respond. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what Indiana's uh, strength and conditioning program, which we've heard so much about, uh, and there have been such rave reviews of, of Coach Ballou and Dr. Ray. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how that translates onto the field. Does that mean IU uh, is able to perform a little better in close games? Uh, there, there seems to be a quiet confidence that that might be the case. And if so, it would have uh, a big, big impact on the season. So I'm looking forward to seeing that translate to the field uh, because the numbers on paper uh, certainly indicate there's some huge, huge things going on thanks to those uh, those two new guys on the staff. And, and I, I'm i anxious to see uh, how big of an impact that actually has on the field. Yeah, and that's a great point. They lost so many games uh, to – to injury last year, to big-time players that they needed that maybe, you know, if Nick Westbrook plays all year and Marcelino Ball plays all yeah. year, yeah. you know, they probably go to a bowl game. they probably be, you know, they, who knows what they do up at Michigan State. They don't know. Um, and that's not just last year. I mean, that that is a consistent theme for the past four or five years. Key injuries, close losses. Uh, you know, late game. Um, I mean, multiple games where it's right there at hand and it just doesn't happen. Yeah. It's, it, it, you know, right there. They run out, run out of gas. Uh, or yeah. They needed a, a big play by a receiver to break loose. Uh, you know, Donovan Hale went down too. Uh, you know, Ian Thomas was was hurt a lot of the time. So, um, TJ, that does it for tonight's show. I, I do want to send out our thoughts to the Mallory family. Um, yeah. You know, I, and I, I thank you for do, doing what he did to the Indiana football program. And I know a lot of people, um, uh, a lot of people respect him. And, and I'm looking forward to hearing all the stories that come out about him. Uh, you know, as he coaches and and, and all that stuff. So, um, a very sad day in Indiana football. But the season now 99 days away, and we'll be closer. We're doing the kind of kickoff again. We're back daily. Uh, check out which guys he's taking uh, taking the field this year. TJ, enjoy your Memorial Day. We'll talk again soon. Absolutely, yeah. Same to everybody out there. Happy Memorial Day and uh, enjoy the the nice three-day weekend for those of us that have to work uh, for a living. And um, hopefully we'll, uh, you know, we're going to start ramping this thing up on a weekly or at the very least bi-weekly basis. So uh, hang with us. Keep on listening. We'll get through this off-season together. And uh, FIU Week will be here before we know it.
Yeah, it, and it will. It'll go by pretty quickly, um, of course. But uh, keep coming back. Anyway, that does it for tonight's podcast. Keep coming back. HoosierHuddle.com. Follow us on Twitter, underscore Huddle. Uh, Instagram as well, at HoosierHuddle. And we'll take all the way Enjoy uh, the holiday weekend. And thank you for those who sacrificed so much to protect this country uh, as well. So, Happy Memorial Day weekend, and we'll talk again. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are, too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois.